What's up, everyone? This is Clawing Through History, presented by Bruins Diehards. I'm your host, Christian Renzi. And I'm RJ DeMello. On today's episode, we're talking Eddie Shore, Ace Bailey, and the first NHL All-Star game. RJ, how you doing? Man, I am doing well. It's good to see your face again. How are you? I'm doing pretty good as well. Uh, it's nice. We uh, we get to chat now once a week. We didn't always do that. I know. It's uh, it's nice to have a regularly scheduled uh, catch up on the calendar. Um, and then on top of that, we get to talk about fun like Bruins trivia history each time. So, Yeah, as, as a history buff myself, not just Bruins history, all history, it's really great to do this. Um what are you drinking this week? Ooh, lovely question. Leaving the state of Oregon uh, this week, I am drinking a Dream of Citra West Coast Double IPA from Liquid Gravity Brewing Company in San Luis Obispo, California. Really cool. Uh, so this week, you're letting loose. You're having the Double IPA. What percentage we got on that beer? Oh, uh, it's 8%. It's 8%. Very nice, very yeah. nice. Two beers for one today on uh, on this uh, beautiful Tuesday. That's how we do it. I actually have, it's funny you say that, because I have a collaboration beer. Um, beer on Earth, which is located in Providence, Rhode Island, collaborated with Origin Beer Project, which is located in Cranston, Rhode Island, to make the current beer I'm drinking called Kinda Farm. It's a farmhouse IPA with spruce tips from Furnace Farm, Vic Secret, Saffir and Simcoe, and it's seven percent. Wow, that sounds uh, very interesting. I, you know, I had a beer recently with spruce tips in it, and really enjoyed it. It was I was surprised by the flavor. What are you thinking so far? That one. This one's really good, really juicy. Um, beer on Earth. I don't know if you have ever been there. I actually haven't. They, I, don't, uh, I don't think they're around. Last time I lived uh, back home. Yeah, they they're getting better and better. Like everything they do is getting awesome. I'd like to thank uh, Brian McNally, uh, my parents' neighbor, for supplying this beer to the house. Oh yeah, I love Brian. So, Great guy. Big shout out to Brian. But yeah, it's nice and juicy. Uh, next time you're home, I'll, I'll bring you over to Beer on Earth. It's a deal. But uh, this week we're talking uh, we're talking Ace Bailey and we're talking Eddie Shore. Um, what do you what do you know about Eddie Shore before we go into it? Um. Maybe it was just everybody in this era, but he was a pretty physical player, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, he's sort of also, I mean, can you really say, yeah, he kind of revolutionized the defenseman position, but yeah, he was a very physical player, which uh, you will, I mean, this story is pretty much evidence of that. What I like about this story is uh, it's two guys that have a big conflict, but in the end, they kind of make up and things work out, sort of. Uh, but Eddie Shore was definitely rough around the edges, borderline psychopath, one of the greatest defensemen of all time. Wow. So uh, he revolutionized the defense position, and then years later, good old Bobby Orr would then just do it again. Yeah, Bobby Orr, probably more so, honestly. But uh, Eddie Shore was the, the pioneer. I mean, when he was playing hockey, it's the 20s and 30s, a barbaric sport back then. Is that roughly the time, uh, going back to a previous episode, is that roughly the time that your great-grandmother was throwing an umbrella at the uh, ref at the, the game in Rhode Island? 
it's probably not too too far away. I, maybe a ten year difference. I mean, I don't know. Was she a kid in that story? Do you know? You might know better than me. Your your grandmother was a kid. Okay. Oh yeah. So it was probably around this time. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah. So my my grandmother lived to the to the ripe old age of ninety nine. Um. So by the time nineteen thirty three rolled around, I mean she was a teenager. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So yeah, she she probably would have remembered this story. But I want to set the stage for you. Please do. Okay. It's 1933. The 20th Amendment has just been written, uh, which... I, do you know the 20th Amendment? Is that re- repealing prohibition? No, but that was the same year as well. Okay. So kind of a trick question. 20th Amendment uh, is when we decided that on January 20th was when the next president would come in. Yes, 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 yes. Do you know why that amendment was passed? No, do tell. Yeah. Oh, man. See, look at this. Um, <laughs> essentially, because it used to be later, and it was like the Depression was hitting hard, and they le- elected FDR, and he was just like sitting there not able to get into office. And they were like, this is stupid. Like, we need quick action now, and we got a lame duck president for like six months. Or, like, this is, and so that's when, how that amendment came about. That is fascinating. So I believe, if I'm correct, it used to be in March, the inauguration. You're correct, yeah. It gave people time to travel to D.C. because they had to travel by, like, the horse and the roads weren't good. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that history behind it with FDR. So I learned something. Well, here's some more facts. So Prohibition had just ended. Literally, the, the event we're talking about, Prohibition had ended right before it. So December of 1933. Uh, the movie Cavalcade is nominated and will eventually win Best Picture at the Oscars. Never seen it. They weren't still silent at that point, right? They, that would have had some... Uh... You know, it's funny. It might have been a silent film. Wow. 33? It's pretty early on. It's close. I know my uh, great great uncle was a silent film actor. so And that really? was in like the mid-20s. So, Have you mentioned this to me before? I don't have think so. <laughs> How have you not brought this up? <laughs> In part because it's one of those things that, like, you know, your family doesn't tell you stuff. And suddenly my uh, grandmother one day was like, oh, yeah, uh, my uncle was a silent film star. And I was like. <laughs> She's like, oh, by the way, your uncle was Buster Keaton. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. <laughs> he, he was this Irish kid from Pennsylvania who went to L.A. and went by Charlie Mack and like, uh, or no, Charles Emmett Mack. I got to look this up exactly. Charlie uh, Mack, Charlie Mack. But, uh, and he like was in a good amount of motion pictures and then sadly died in a car accident. Oh, wow. Well, that's crazy. I had no idea. That's pretty cool to have a, a movie star in your family. Yeah. Charles Emmett Mack. He has a Wikipedia page. I'll send it to you. Awesome. So anyway, the movie Cavalcade is nominated and eventually win Best Picture. And then the Bruins are just four years removed from their first Stanley Cup win, which came in 1929. So it's a pretty young league at this point, uh, 1933. Original six teams, right? Original six teams. On this particular day, we're talking December 12th, 1933. The Boston Bruins are playing the Toronto Maple Leafs at Boston Garden. Boston Garden, still pretty new. Not quite the arena we were talking about last week. arena for its day. (laughs) Yeah, at that point, they probably had like candlelight or something to to light the games with. (laughs) So it's uh, it's late in the game. 
The Maple Leafs are ahead by a few goals when uh, Bruins defenseman Eddie Shore upended Toronto forward Ace Bailey, causing him to fall to the ice and hit his head. This is a different Ace Bailey. Eventually, uh, further down the line in NHL history, there was another Ace Bailey. This is a different guy. So he falls on the head, and this was long before players started wearing uh, proper protective equipment. And uh, I think by all accounts, the scene turned pretty bad pretty quickly. So I have, I have a segment from the Associated Press at the time that Connor Reed in an old tiny oh, voice. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to last long. Eddie Shaw, <laughs> Eddie Shaw start, started the rumpus by tripping Ace Bailey with such force that he was rendered unconscious. Red Horner, Toronto defenseman, then rushed at Shore, knocked him down with a heavy right hook to the jaw. So now Shore's head struck the ice with such terrific force that he suffered a three-inch gash, which required seven stitches. Bailey was unconscious, and Shore was badly stunned when their teammate carried them off the ice. This is kind of funny. So now we're going to start hearing names that are... And it's like I called it one time in one of these podcasts, the era of trophies, living trophies. So the fiery Connie Smythe. (laughs) Connie Smythe. Con Smythe, who the uh, MVP of the playoffs, that's the trophy that they win now, is the Con Smythe trophy. He was manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs at the time. And he became involved with several spectators when he tried to hasten to the side of his injured player. So I guess he, when they say manager, I don't know if they mean GM or what. I guess he ran onto the ice. So, oh, during a scuffle outside of the Toronto dressing room, Leonard Kenworthy of Everett suffered a blow over the eye that shattered his spectacles. So now the fans are fighting <laughs> with the Maple Leafs management. All hell's breaking loose. Oh, man. This is a lawless sport at this point. Yeah. was for a while so after that. It was for a while, pretty much until the 90s, I would say, or even into the, the mid-2000s. So I actually have a story about a Bruins game I want to tell after this. Kind of is kind of like this. Leonard Kentworthy of Everett needed three stitches to close a cut after he received medical attention, and then he told Boston Garden officials that he would apply for a warrant charging Smythe with assault tomorrow morning. Yeah, that you know that still fits. I'm sure somebody would do the same thing now. Mm-hmm. It would be. I mean, now if a manager hit a fan, that'd be wild. Oh, it, it would be. Yeah, it would. They would actually do it, and they would actually like get in legitimate trouble whereas back then it would have been like oh okay okay yeah i mean con Smythe is i mean like i said a trophy is named after him i think if that happened now they wouldn't name a trophy after the guy that assaulted a fan yeah no 100 <laughs> percent. so continuing this article bailey suffering from a severe concussion that was accompanied by convulsions so i mean it's pretty serious what what ace bailey went through he remained unconscious for more than 10 minutes uh dr c lind gatley of boston attended him and ordered his removal to the Audubon Hospital in the Back Bay section of Boston. So, Ace Bailey was essentially assaulted by Eddie Shore. Mm -hmm. Um, If this happened today, I mean, we talk about players like Tom Wilson, who they do things that are not necessarily part of the game when they injure players. Mm -hmm. But still, you rarely, if ever, see something like this happen now. I mean, to be unconscious for 10 minutes would be absolutely insane. Yeah. But what I wanted to tell you was, speaking of fans fighting uh, players, 
I was at a Providence Bruins game as a young boy. Uh, my dad and I were there, and there was it was a pretty scrappy game, and these two players got in a fight, and I think it was towards the end of the period, so instead of going to the penalty box, they just sent him underneath the mm-hmm. tunnel. So all of a sudden, we see the benches clear. Like, there's this commotion underneath. So both benches clear, go under the stands. So now, just left out there, are two goalies on the ice. <laughs> right? So the two goalies, they look at each other, they skate to center ice, and they just start fighting. <laughs> there's no referees, by the way, because the referees saw the commotion that happened underneath, so like they ran under to see what was happening. So the goalies fight, and I think eventually they were kind of laughing, got tired. The crowd's loving it. Turns out what happened was we originally thought the two players got kicked out, went underneath, and then fought more, and that caused the two teams Mm -hmm. to clear. What we learned is the opposing team's bus driver was heckling, I think, the P Bruins player, and he fought the bus driver. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that caused everyone to go underneath. Jesus. Come on, Minorly people. Cocky. Minorly cocky, man. What are you doing? <laughs> so you got, a, you got a heavyweight bout at center ice, you know, the, the main card of the night. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a <laughs> pedestrian. you got a bus driver. I don't know why, but I always pictured that bus driver looking like Chris Farley and Billy Madison. You know that, how he's the bus driver in that? That movie? was my first thought. <laughs> <laughs> man, I was going to say... Uh, that's some pretty um, thin skin. If you're getting yeah. some some shit talk from a from a bus driver and you can't just take it and you just decide, I'm gonna go over and throw some punches at this guy. Ah, man, I don't know. It's like I mean, hockey players sometimes they see red and the wires cross and they act like crazy people, which is what is happening in this story with Eddie Shore. Yeah. Well. So. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you were talking about, like, the head injury and concussion and losing consciousness, it made me think of Marty McSorley. Do you remember this incident? With Donald Brashear, I think you said. That is correct. Yeah, exactly. In 2000, where he swung his stick and hit him in the head. And he fell backwards, hit his head in the ice, and lost consciousness, suffered a big concussion. He was actually charged with assault and suspended for the remainder of the season. I Uh, I don't think, did he play after that? He was convicted of assault. His, uh, his suspension was extended for a full year. It yep. was the longest suspension for an on-ice incident in modern NHL history. His contract expired during the suspension, and he would never play another NHL game. Well, I've talked about it like in on other things, but like not to get too serious. But I do think that you know the NFL gets a lot of criticism for this, the concussion thing. And the NHL is not quite as popular in the U.S. Yeah. But, but they deserve, I think, as much uh, criticism for it. Yeah. And there's obviously concussion issues. Yeah. And Eddie Shore, I'm sure, had some uh, several issues after his career was over. Yes. But in terms of Eddie Shore, I talked about him uh, in one of my videos previously. He's a hockey legend. Let's just hear some of his uh, awards. He won the Hart Trophy as the league's most valuable player four times. That's more than any other defenseman in history. He also played with a serious edge. Uh, in his second season in the NHL, he set a league record with 165 penalty minutes. Shore helped shape the Bruins' reputation as big and bad, but uh, I think in this Ace Bailey incident, it's the bad that really sort of outshines everything else. Yeah. 
But Ace Bailey himself was kind of an interesting player. Um, his NHL career was really, it was only from 1926 to 1933. And what's really kind of cool is he's the first professional sports player to have his jersey retired. Really? Yeah. So it came out of this injury that happened to him. Um, he had three really good years in Toronto. He led the league in scoring in 1928-1929. And uh, he led the team in scoring the next year in 1929-1930. By the way, 1928-1929 was the Boston Bruins' first Stanley Cup uh, victory. But by 1932, his offensive production had slowed. Uh, he still managed to make a major impact on the team. He scored the cup-winning goal for Toronto in Game 3 of the 1932 Stanley Cup Final against the New York Rangers. Toronto won a cup? I'm just Toronto won a kidding. Cup. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it's funny. Did you hear what I just said? He scored the cup-winning goal in Game 3. Yeah. So best of three, huh? Or like, exactly. or wait, best of five? I think it must have been best three out of five. Mm-hmm. So when I was writing the script, I did what you just did. I said, that's right. At one time, the Maple Leafs were actually Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to, make an, I want to make a note here that um, anything before the expansion era doesn't count. So unfortunately, Montreal, um, several of their cups do not count. Yeah. So I want to do a, a quick aside about this series. And I talked about this with you last week. It's the first and only time, this isn't true anymore, it's the first time that a Stanley Cup final game was played on neutral ice. But as I said, uh, COVID changed that. Um, due to scheduling conflicts at Madison Square Garden, game two of the series was relocated to Boston Garden. So, so the Bruins so the were Ra involved even though they weren't involved. The Bruins were not in this series. The Rangers and the Leafs played a championship game in Boston. Yeah. Which is really funny. So like, the Leafs had to go through Boston still. <laughs> but when I originally wrote this story, it was uh, 2020. So I had written down that uh, it's the only time that it was ever played a neutral site. Obviously, that changed last year with the bubble. So here's what led up to the hit by Shore on Ace Bailey. There was a hit that preceded it by Shore. Uh, he was hit by defenseman King Clancy, which is quite a name. What's his first name? King. King Clancy? Clancy. Clancy. King Clancy. So like Shore Tom hit Clancy's by, grandpa or something? Tom Clancy. <laughs> it's, his, it's his grandfather. So Shore gets hit. He must be seeing red. When he gets up from the hit, he's set on revenge, and he wants to retaliate by hitting Clancy in the back. But the person he hit wasn't Clancy. It was Ace Bailey, who didn't do anything. So he hit the wrong guy. And the scene got pretty grim after that. Uh, Leafs defenseman Red Horner knocked Eddie Shore out cold. Meanwhile, Ace Bailey lay on the ground convulsing. So one story says he was knocked out cold. The other story said he had he was stunned. That's what they said in the reporter. I don't know if he actually was unconscious, but go ahead. Was there no numbers? And so that's why he didn't know who he was hitting? Or was he just seeing red and didn't see numbers? Um, no, I believe there were numbers because Shore is the famous number two. And some of the early Bruins jerseys were just a giant number, almost like a football uniform. Yeah. I think what happened is he was probably hit first. This is just my theory. He was stunned, was so angry, got up and was like, that guy, and he just hit him. Yeah. The problem was that hit was devastating. So 
Shore actually did come pretty close to getting in serious legal trouble for the hit. Um, according to an article written in Sports Illustrated by Alex Pruitt, a homicide inspector actually visited Shore's home while Bailey was in the hospital. So it, this hit was bad enough where it, it would have been possible that he, Bailey wouldn't survive. Um, apparently, the inspector told Shore that if Bailey dies, they have an arrest warrant ready to charge him with manslaughter. Wow. So meanwhile, at the hospital in Boston, um, Bailey had undergone two spinal taps to relieve inter... Sorry, these are going to be medical terms. Intercranial pressure. So this was a very serious injury. According to a doctor who treated him later in Ontario, he suffered a bruised and torn brain, fractured skull, and an extra dural clot on the brain. I'm sorry, I didn't... I know you can, like, tear a ligament, but tearing your brain? That's... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is 19, 1933 doctors. They, it's probably not a real thing. <laughs> That's, nonetheless, that's a scary list of injuries. Oh, of course. So in other words, Bailey almost died at the hands of Eddie Shore. And to make matters worse, Bailey didn't do anything. It was King Clancy that hit Shore. So when Bailey first entered the hospital in Boston, Con Smythe was sitting in a holding cell after that tussle with the man from Everett. So despite Eddie Shore almost killing one of his players, uh, Smythe had some nice things to say about him. <laughs> And I'm not being sarcastic. He really had nice things to say about him. This is what he said. I don't blame Shore for the accident, which may cause the death of Bailey. What a wild sentence, by the way. Yeah. He was one of the finest sportsmen I ever met. Shore has been used so much that I doubt that he fully realized what he was doing when he knocked Bailey down last night. That's the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs whose player is in the hospital saying a nice thing about the guy that literally almost just killed him. That's some, I, like, real old school, uh, I don't even know, protect the old boys club situation. Like, Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't know what he fully means by he said that Shore has been used so much. Does he mean that Shore is like he's gotten so many hits on the head that he doesn't know what's going on? Or time, like maybe saying time on ice, and so he's so like tired and worn out, and yeah, you don't, you're foggy, you don't really know what's going on. You're just out there skating around. I, I don't know. What do you think? Like, if you're a Leafs fan or, or part of the Leafs organization, do you, I mean, would you want to forgive? Sure. I mean, I feel like I would n never say words like this. You know, it's like two different pairs of shoes. It's the pair of shoes I'm wearing right now and the pair of shoes I'd be wearing in 1933. Right. The pair of shoes I'm wearing now, it would be like disgusting and never let this guy back in and whatever. But trying to get into the mindset of somebody who's a hockey fan in 1933, you might have people that say that's part of the game then, you know, like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's a good question, but it's one of those where like, I'll only resp like the only way I can process it is that is no, I would never say that. And would, it would be like an unforgivable thing for that action. But I'm, you know, I have a vastly different experience than anybody that would have been there. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was a different time. Hockey was a different game. Uh, I, like I said, I can't imagine a, a modern day coach ever saying something like that. And also now it would be all over Twitter and everything. 
Exactly. You would have slow-mo of it. You would have it replayed a million times. Everyone would see it. Whereas this, only so many people in the arena, right? And so you read about in the paper, this dude's in the hospital, but then there's kind of somebody saying like, hey, I don't blame him. You're probably like, oh, that's an unfortunate accident, right? But if you right. saw it in the arena, you might think differently, but only so many people actually saw it happen. Right. And I think that maybe he was justifying it saying like, oh, it was an accident because Ace Bailey didn't even hit him. So Shore didn't intend to hurt Ace Bailey. Yeah. As this story goes on, there's more of this sort of like, it's okay. It's just a game sort of thing. It's yeah. kind of shocking. So Smythe pleaded not guilty to assault and battery and was released on $100 bail. So he got out of the holding cell in Boston. Ooh. I want to find out. Do some conversions. $100 in nineteen. During the Depression, by the way. This is during the Depression. Okay. Uh, $100 in 1933 is equivalent to the purchasing power of about $2,089 today. Once Smythe was allowed out of jail, he was allowed to go see Bailey in the hospital. In fact, a number of the Bruins' wives also went to go see uh, Bailey's wife and children. Meanwhile, this is where things get really crazy. Up in Canada, Ace Bailey's father received word of what happened to his son. So, he grabs a revolver and got on a train to go to Boston. And he intended to shoot Eddie Shore. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Holy cow. But... Luckily, for sure, Con Smythe intercepted Bailey's father, slipped him a sleeping pill in his drink, and sent him back to Canada. This is a real story, by the way. This is a spy novel. Like, what are you talking about? This is nuts. <laughs> Dude, there's more. I mean, Eddie Shore's stories that he's in, they don't feel real, a lot of them. They feel like folk tales. So Con Smythe saved Shore's life, essentially. Um, after... Shore hit Ace Bailey. He went to go see him in the dressing room. Uh, Bailey was conscious. Shore apologized to him and assured him that the hit wasn't intentional. And Bailey replied, that's all right, Eddie. It's all in the game. So directly after this hit, Bailey is near death. And he accepts the apology of Eddie Shore. So when I first heard this story, uh, I didn't realize just how big of a news story it was at the time, especially in Canada. And Eddie Shore is not without remorse for his actions, you'll see. The Montreal Gazette was one of the first ones to report that Shore had gone to the locker room after the game to talk to Ace, and the headline of the article read, Shore is a broken man, which is kind of ironic or sort of weird. I feel like the broken man is actually Ace Bailey. From December to January, it really seemed as if most people felt that Bailey wouldn't make it. Uh, he had undergone several surgeries to relieve the pressure on his brain. Daily updates were being reported in the newspaper. And finally, on January 3rd, reporters were able to go into Bailey's hospital room and see him, where they found him sitting in a chair and smiling. He told reporters he expected to be back on the ice before the end of the season. Ace Bailey did forgive Eddie Shore. In fact, it seemed like he never had been mad at him in the first place. Uh, but the idea that he had almost killed someone during a hockey game wasn't sitting well with him. So Shore is not doing well mentally. When Shore talked to the press, he stated, I'm still very nervous right now. I don't feel like playing hockey, but I hope to regain my confidence when I strap on my skates January 28th. So, what do you think Shore's suspension was, if you had to guess? Well, if he said January 28th, so it's like a, a one-month suspension or something? or Yeah, I spoiled it there, didn't I? <laughs> <Here's> the... <laughs> 
It was a 16-game suspension. Actually, in 1933, many in the hockey world felt this wasn't enough. They didn't really know what we know today about concussions, but it was gruesome enough where they're like, okay, this is too much. It should have been more games. The Bruins themselves, they tried to show good faith following the incident. They donated money made from a game against Montreal to the Bailey family. Players also back then, and even up until I believe the 70s, didn't really make that much money. A lot of them had regular jobs when the, the season wasn't happening. So Art Ross, who we'll talk about a lot Another in trophy. Bruins history. Another trophy, uh, very famous in the Bruins franchise and history. He continued to talk about the mental anguish that Shore was going through. And that actually did start to rub people the wrong way. Senator's owner, Frank Ahim, hope I'm saying that right, had this to say about Art Ross. All this talk will not make people forget poor Bailey lying in hospital with two holes sawed in both sides of his skull. Nor will they forget the real mental agony of Mrs. Bailey and the Bailey's family. So actually the Ottawa Senators were around back then. It was not even, it was pre-original six, if that makes sense. Many in the NHL and hockey world wanted Eddie Shore suspended for the season. A meeting was called rep with representatives from Toronto, Ottawa, and the Maroons. So the Montreal Maroons, another team that was in the NHL, non-original six team, they were created to appeal to the English-speaking citizens in Montreal because there was a whole section of Montreal that didn't speak French. And this, the Maroons were that team. They didn't, they didn't last very long. They've been gone for 80-something years. So what came out of this meeting was something really interesting. Instead of a season-long suspension for sure, the representatives wanted, uh, they planned the first ever NHL All-Star game, but sort of like a benefit game. So the game would take place at Maple Leaf Gardens, and Eddie Shore was going to play in the game. He was on the All-Star roster. So he had served his 16-game suspension, and the All-Star game would be his first time playing in Toronto since his hit on Bailey. And I guess he was visibly nervous in the locker room leading up to puck drop. Can't imagine why. And once again, this is the era of living trophies. Lester Patrick, there is an award named after him. He coached the all-star team with Shore on it. And he put him in the starting lineup. Um, during the pregame ceremony, the players were presented with medals and jackets. And Ace Bailey was actually in attendance, standing in the front row. Shore skated over to Ace Bailey, and the two of them shook hands. The crowd cheered, and there's a famous photo that was taken of the two men smiling. Their hands are held together in the photo, and Ace Bailey has a bruised face, but he's like beaming in the photo. It's a pretty cool moment. I feel like that kind of speaks to the character of each guy, especially Ace Bailey, that he was able to forgive him. So all the proceeds of that first NHL game went directly to Bailey's family. And they end up raising $20,909, which I had actually converted for us. So I can tell you the conversion. In today's dollars, that would be nearly $400,000. So Bailey's old line mates, Andy Blair and Harold Cotton, helped lead their team to victory in the game. Ace Bailey presented the trophy to his teammates, which had been named after him by Leafs coach Con Smythe. Over the loudspeaker, Smythe announced that Toronto was going to retire Bailey's number six, and he was the first player in history to have his number retired. 
So after this, the intention was they were going to hold this All-Star game annually, but that didn't come to fruition until 1947. Unfortunately, that hit ended up being uh, the end for Ace Bailey's career. But he did actually stay working at Maple Leaf Gardens for 47 years, and he even coached hockey at the University of Toronto. Bailey lived to be 88 years old. He passed away in 1992. So the hit almost killed him, but in the end, he lived a very long life. Mm-hmm. Eddie Shore would go on to win two more Hart trophies after the hit, and he would retire in 1943. And he passed away at 82 in 1985. I actually was at a game, I think they were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, when Eddie Shore's son dropped the puck. And this was probably in 2013 or 14. And Eddie Shore's son was like in his 80s. Yeah, it was really old. <laughs> <laughs> Very old. Yeah. So hockey player sees red, goes after the guy he thinks hit him. Yep. Wrong guy. Nearly kills him. Nearly gets charged with manslaughter. Yep. Instead, just serves a brief suspension plays in an all-star game that benefits the dude's family, goes on to a stellar rest of his career. Yep. And everybody kind of lives happily ever after, I guess? Yeah, in a way. I mean, it, Bailey wasn't upset. I mean, he was probably upset at the time, but he forgave Shore, so that worked out. Bailey lived to be 88 years old. He had a job with the University of Toronto. So, yeah, in a way it worked out. I, I don't know what happened with Ace Bailey's father because he was going to shoot Eddie Shore. <laughs> oh, my God. So I don't know how happy he was, but yeah, everything seemed to work out. He woke up in Saskatchewan. The pill lasted too long. He was on the train for a long time. (laughs) He was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm really curious what would have happened if if he did hit the right guy. Like if he did hit King Clancy and do the same damage to him, would everybody's opinion have been different? Yeah, I don't know. Like we said in the first episode, we like to play what ifs. I mean, if Eddie Shore hits... Yeah, it would be weird, though, because Ace Bailey was totally innocent. Right. Clancy did hit him. Right, so then would they would have just been like, oh, like, you know, hit for hit part of the game? Like, would it have been the same thing no matter what? Or would they have been like, I don't know. Knowing these guys, they probably would be like, oh, hit for hit, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that Red Horner, the Toronto defenseman, he knocked out Eddie Shore right after he hit Ace Bailey. Right. It just was like, like I said, it's like a lawless thing. Tough guys being tough guys. Right. I mean, we'll probably talk about this in the future, but there was, even up until like the 70s, there was fights where like the Boston police were involved. Yeah. You know, the sport, the sport has come a long way. Yeah. You know, and especially like I I brought up his Wikipedia page. Con Smythe was like in the first world war. Seriously? And so it's like, I guess, yeah, if you like experienced the First World War, maybe you're like, no big deal. You, you, I don't know. <laughs> like, right, yeah, just, seen everybody was different, stuff. you know, like very different experiences. Did you, did you in your research see the format of the original All-Star game? No, do tell. The format of the All-Star game, which remained the same with two exceptions until the 1967-68 season, called for the defending Stanley Cup champions to play against a selection of players from the other five teams. That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> it's like, the Bruins won. Okay, best players from the other five teams. We're going to play them. <laughs> See if you can beat them. 
So uh, that's that's it. My my story is relatively short today. That's the entire uh, Ace Bailey incident. <laughs>